0: Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Hello. Thank you for joining us for the Friday, September 1st, 2023 reading of the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. On today's program, the best relationship advice of the year so far from the New York Times and what can my nails tell me about my health from the Washington Post. Plus, how to get the protein you need from WebMD and more time permitting. Here's our first report. The best relationship advice we've gotten so far this year. Strategies to resolve silly fights, hurt feelings and other issues by Katherine Peterson and Jancy Dunn from The New York Times. Experts increasingly know that human connection is integral to well-being. Every bit as essential as getting enough sleep or moving your body. But relationships, particularly romantic partnerships, can be tricky. And we seldom receive the straightforward, evidence-based guidance we might get from a doctor about exercise or rest. Relationships are a big part of what we cover on the Well Desk, And we spend lots of time talking to researchers and therapists who are steeped in this stuff. So we are looking back on some of the best relationship advice we've covered so far in 2023. Here's a roundup of tips to keep your connection strong and healthy. Those silly but frequent fights have a root cause. If you find yourself squabbling with your partner over low-stakes matters, such as unwashed dishes or dirty laundry, pick a calm moment and sit down together, said Talal al Salim, a couples counselor from Rosedale, California. Then explore what is actually bugging you about the situation. Often, it's safer to fight about taking out the garbage than about issues that revolve around, say, feeling powerless or dismissed, Dr. Salim said. Delve deeper to figure out what sets you off, said Patricia Lamas alvarez a couples therapist from South Pasadena, California, by asking yourself questions like, What feeling does this bring up for me? Is it something I felt in childhood? Then share these insights with your partner. Ask this question if a loved one is upset. When Heather Stella, a special education teacher in upstate New York, has a student who is agitated or overwhelmed, she asks them one question. Do you want to be helped, heard, or hugged? This simple question, Jancy Dunn discovered, works just as well in adult relationships. It shows empathy, respects boundaries, calms swirling emotions, and helps partners take positive action. Finding out whether your loved one wants to be helped heard or hugged, is really asking, how can I meet your needs, said Jada Jackson, a licensed mental health counselor in Dallas. Diffuse a fight with four simple phrases. Here's a situation that might seem familiar. As a conflict with your partner rises, you picture a thought balloon above their head and fill it with whatever you imagine they are thinking. This relationship-sabotaging habit is known as unconscious storytelling, said Terence Reel, a family therapist and the author of Us, Getting Past You and Me to Build a More Loving Relationship. And it can escalate an argument and distort the issue, he says. Instead of making assumptions that are possibly untrue, Mr. Reel counsels people to share perceived slights using a therapeutic tool known as the feedback wheel. It consists of four prompts. This is what I saw or heard. This is what I made up about it. This is how I felt. This is what would help me feel better. The final statement is vital because you can't complain about not getting what you never asked for, Mr. Real said. This process can help you shift from anger to vulnerability, Mr. Real said, so you can communicate respectfully without placing blame. Beware of fubbing. Fubbing, a portmanteau of phone and snubbing, is an admittedly goofy word, but research shows that ignoring your partner to engage with your phone can lead to marital dissatisfaction and distrust. It really can have an impact, said Anthony Chambers, the chief academic officer at the Family Institute at Northwestern University, even if one partner is just glancing briefly at his or her phone in the middle of a conversation. Couples should set clear rules around phone use, said Katherine Hurtline, a professor at the Kirk -Kirk Kirkorkian School of Medicine at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, who studies the effect of technology on couples and families. Consider setting phone-free zones, like the dinner table or bedroom. And don't let resentment simmer. As soon as you're starting to identify those feelings of being hurt or frustrated or being snubbed, Dr. Chambers said, those are the times when you need to let your partner know. Increase your tolerance for talking about sex. Most people rarely talk about sex with their partners, said Vanessa Marin, a sex therapist and co-author of Sex Talks, the five conversations that will transform your love life. Or, as she previously told the New York Times, they discuss it only when there's an issue. But Ms. Marin believes communication is the foundation of a satisfying sex life, and talking about it is a skill partners can learn. She recommends starting with compliments, maybe about your partner's appearance, or about the connection you share. It can increase intimacy and ease you into talking about sex on a more regular basis. Or consider a sexual state of the union, said Emily Morse, a sex educator who told The Times that couples should have a frank conversation about how things are going, about once a month. Keep it brief, not more than 10 minutes, Ms. Morse said, and try to be compassionate and open. Ask questions like, what would you like to see more of in our sex life? Make the most of outside help. Many couples delay seeing a therapist until they are stuck in patterns that have calcified, said Orna Guralnik, a Manhattan-based clinical psychologist and psychoanalyst featured in the Showtime documentary series Couples Therapy. At that point, she said, love or goodwill may have run out. Still experts acknowledged that finding a couples therapist could be time-consuming and difficult. Online digital directories like those of Psychology Today and the American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy can be a useful starting point. When you find a therapist, ask preliminary questions like, what will working with you be like? Have you dealt with my issue before? How do you handle secrets? And don't be afraid to offer feedback about your sessions, said Vanessa Braden, a licensed marriage and family therapist and the founder and clinical director of Lakeview Therapy Group in Chicago. If somebody came to me and said, hey, you know what, in that last session, I really wanted you to be a little more direct with me, she said, I would love that. Up next, What Can My Nails Tell Me About My Health? by Patricia Pasricha, MD, from the Washington Post. This is written in Q&A format and also in first-person format. Question. I've noticed some odd changes to my nails that weren't there before. What can our nails tell us about our health? And how can I keep my nails healthy? Answer. Our nails are a unique window into our overall health. Many diseases are associated with distinctive nail changes from the spoon-shaped nails of iron deficiency anemia to the rounded, swollen nails of cystic fibrosis. In my third year of medical school, I met a patient who had come to the emergency room throwing up blood. After directing the rest of the team to stabilize the patient, the doctor in charge held the patient's hand and looked closely at their fingernails. They were a frosty white except for a strip of red at the tips. I've never forgotten that appearance, a finding known as Terry's nails, or how the doctor turned to me and said, I bet this patient has cirrhosis. At first, I was incredulous. How could she guess the patient had a liver problem, of all things, just by looking at the fingernails? But she was right. The patient had complications from cirrhosis. Here are some common nail changes that can tell you something about your health. Dark vertical streaks, called splinter hemorrhages, these can result from nail biting, but also from an infection of the heart valves. Horizontal ridges, known as bows lines, these ridges across the nail occur when nail growth is interrupted by a major illness or chemotherapy. They have also been described by people after getting COVID-19. Pitted discolored nails, this can be a sign of nail psoriasis, an autoimmune condition. Brittle nails. Brittle nails happen more often among women and in older age. Wearing protective gloves and reducing contact with dishwater, detergents, or nail polish remover can help. White, yellow, or brown nails. This can be a sign of fungal infection, which can often start in the feet at the great toe and spread. In some cases, people make the mistake of using over-the-counter products to treat only the nails without realizing that the fungus is also on the skin. See a doctor to determine what type of oral or topical treatment is best and be sure to discuss medications you're already taking to avoid drug interactions. Half and half nails, also known as Lindsay's nails, these changes seen in kidney disease make the bottom half of the nail a milky white the top half a brownish pink. Sometimes these nails return to normal after kidney transplantation. Tracy Vlahovic, clinical professor in the Department of Podiatric Medicine at Temple University, said that nail changes, like those that occur with psoriatic arthritis, might be an early sign of a systemic issue. Keep in mind, nails grow slowly, It takes about six months to regrow a fingernail, so not only could an abnormality reflect an illness that occurred several months prior, but any treatment prescribed to you may take time before you see results. Why some common manicure practices can be damaging. Since we're talking about nails, it's important to note that while manicures and pedicures may be visually appealing, they're probably not doing much for the health of your nail, and some practices may be damaging. Take pushing back cuticles, for example. You may have thought that the rather uncomfortable shoving and trimming of the cuticles is a necessary evil and the cuticles serve you no purpose. Not so. Removing cuticles, in fact, increases the risk of an infection. Both your cuticles and the tip of your nail are there to keep the environment outside of the body, said Flahovic. Scraping or pushing those areas back opens doors that should not be opened. She recommends only having nails filed and polished or going to a spa that offers medical pedicures with instruments that have been sterilized with an autoclave device. Popular gel manicures can lead to thinning of the nail plate and brittle nails due to the repeated application and removal process, often involving soaking with acetone and mechanical peeling. And I know I'm not alone in having entered a Faustian bargain by wanting to cover damaged nails from a gel manicure with Another gel manicure. Many supplements purporting nail growth contain biotin and are taken daily by nearly 3% of U.S. adults. But according to the American Academy of Dermatology, there is no evidence that biotin promotes nail growth or quality in otherwise healthy people. And taking biotin isn't harmless. Biotin can interfere with blood tests such as troponin, used commonly to help diagnose a heart attack and lead to a false negative result. This could have serious consequences, especially among women for whom heart attacks are already underdiagnosed. What I want my patients to know. Nail health is not something you want to self-treat. It's easy to get the diagnosis wrong because many nail issues look similar. If you've noticed changes to the shape, texture, or even color of your nails, talk to your provider about whether there's any cause for concern. Up next, get the protein you need. Medically reviewed by Poonam Sakdev and written by Jeanette Moninger from WebMD. The power of protein. Everybody needs protein, but when you're over 50, you need to eat more of it than you used to. That's because your body isn't as good at using protein to build and maintain muscle as it once was. Not only does it protect your muscles, protein can also help strengthen skin, boost your body's defenses against illness, keep hearing sharp as you age. How much protein do you need? The recommended daily amount for adults is 0.36 grams per pound of body weight. But research shows older people do better with at least 0.45 grams per pound. That's 67.5 grams for a 150-pound person. To get that, you could eat one medium chicken breast, one cup of Greek yogurt, and two tablespoons of peanut butter. You may need more if you have muscle loss or less if you have kidney disease. Talk to your doctor about what's right for you. Poultry and eggs. Chicken breasts are a go-to for many of us. They're inexpensive, cook fast, and have 25 grams of protein per three-ounce serving. Bored with them? Try portion-sized slices of turkey breast. A large egg has 6.24 grams of protein and just 71 calories. It also has 184 milligrams of cholesterol, but that's not a problem if you're healthy. If you have high cholesterol, heart disease, or diabetes, ask your doctor or dietitian about eggs or just eat egg whites. Seafood. Even people who think they don't like fish fall for salmon. What's not to love? It's got moist texture, mild flavor, and 29 grams of protein in a 4-ounce serving. It's also low in saturated fat and high in heart-healthy, brain-boosting omega-3 fatty acids. If salmon isn't your thing, Tuna, sardines, or trout will do the trick. Aim for four ounces of fish two times a week. Soybeans. Vegetarians have known the secret for years. Soybeans have a lot of protein. Four ounces packs 29 grams, more than a three-ounce steak. And soy milk has nearly as much protein as the dairy type. Soybeans contain a type of plant estrogen, but eating normal amounts won't make your own hormones go haywire. If you're on hormone therapy or have had breast cancer, check with your doctor before using soy supplements or powders. Vegetables and beans. Beans, be they red, black, or white, are plant-based protein powerhouses. One cup can have 15 grams of protein or more. The versatile, inexpensive bean is also a great source of fiber. They're filling and heart-healthy. Other vegetables get in on the act, too. A cup of peas has 8.5 grams of protein and a medium baked potato has 4.5 grams. Nuts and seeds. Nuts, seeds, and nut butters pack lots of protein into a small convenient package. You can get 8 grams of protein from 2 tablespoons of peanut butter, a quarter cup of almonds, a third of a cup of pistachios or cashews, half a cup of walnuts. Nuts are high in calories, but one study showed that eating small amounts instead of other snacks could actually make you less likely to gain weight. Eating them several times a week also cuts your risk of a heart attack. Red meat. It gets a bad rap, but it's okay for meat lovers to enjoy the occasional serving of beef, lamb, or pork. A 3-ounce portion of red meat sets you up with 22 grams of protein, Go for lean types like sirloin, tenderloin, and top round. Watch your portion size too. Three ounces is about the size of a deck of cards. Dairy. Drink a cup of skim milk, and you'll add 8 grams of protein to your daily total. Or up your game with a carton of fat-free Greek yogurt with up to 20 grams. Three daily servings of fat-free or low-fat dairy will boost your bones and slow muscle loss. If you follow a plant-based diet or can't digest dairy, soy milk is a good protein option, with 6.3 grams per cup. Almond, coconut, and rice milks all have 1 gram of protein or less. Protein drinks. For best results, get your protein from foods. Also, space them throughout the day instead of loading up at one meal. But if you have trouble eating enough, protein shakes, powders, bars, and supplements can help. To control sugar and additives, make your own protein drink. Blend a half a cup of fat-free Greek yogurt, a half a cup of soy or skim milk, and a half a cup of fruit to get about 14 grams. Add a tablespoon of peanut butter to amp up the protein to 18 grams. Up next, how to clear up brain fog. This may arise with long COVID, but can also be caused by meds, depression, insomnia, and more from Consumer Reports on Health. Brain fog, characterized by difficulty focusing, sluggish thinking, and memory lapses, is a common symptom of long COVID, the complex condition that sometimes emerges after a case of COVID-19. But brain fog is not unique to long COVID. Chronic insomnia, head injuries, stroke, depression, cancer therapies, and drug side effects can all lead to a similar, often troubling mental cloudiness. There's no perfect treatment for brain fog, but doctors may be able to treat some of the conditions that can cause it, said Zaldi Tan, M.D., Director of the Bernard and Maxine Platzer-Lynn Family Memory and Healthy Aging Program at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles. Here's what we know about brain fog and what experts say you should do if you're experiencing it. Understanding brain fog People who report brain fog describe it as the sense they can't do cognitively what they could before. They don't feel as mentally sharp, says Stephen Flanagan, MD, Chair of Rehabilitation Medicine at New York University Grossman School of Medicine. People may report problems multitasking, articulating words, or finding things around the house, Tan says. Brain fog differs from cognitive changes that can occur with age, Flanagan and other experts say. While it's not uncommon for the retrieval of information to get a bit slower with age, taking longer to recall a name, for example, what doctors consider brain fog tends to come on more abruptly and is often linked to a specific event such as a head injury or COVID-19. But factors associated with aging could increase the risk of brain fog, such as taking multiple meds. And brain fog is distinct from dementia, which is a progressive condition. The exact biological causes of brain fog are not clear, says Ramon Diaz-Arastia, MD, PhD, director of the Traumatic Brain Injury Clinical Research Center at the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, and a member of the American Neurological Association. Damage to the small blood vessels around the brain could potentially play a role, he says. And in many cases, stress or anxiety could exacerbate symptoms. Many experts think the cause could also be inflammation lingering in the brain after COVID-19 or head trauma, Flanagan says. What you can do Diaz-Erastia says potential solutions will depend on the exact nature of someone's brain fog and how it's affecting their daily life. So your initial step should be consulting a physician and explaining your symptoms. Your provider may refer you to a neuropsychologist for a formal cognitive assessment. That might lead to therapy to identify cognitive strengths that can compensate for impairments. Here are some other strategies that doctors might suggest to help ease brain fog. Limit meds and alcohol. Tan says one of the first things to do is cut back on alcohol and try to eliminate unnecessary medications, especially any drugs known to leave people feeling foggy. Those can include tranquilizers as well as pills used to treat insomnia. Ask your doctor before stopping meds. Improve sleep. An episode of jet lag can cause short-lived brain fog, but people with chronic sleep problems can experience this consistently. Practicing good sleep hygiene may help, Flanagan says. That means a consistent bedtime, sleeping in a cool, dark room, and avoiding screens for an hour before bed. Exercise. For those who are able to do aerobic exercise, there's good evidence that it may help clear mental fogginess. Someone with severe brain fog should work with a physical therapist, however. Trying to exercise solo can be risky, in this case, Diaz-Arastia says, and can exacerbate long COVID symptoms. Reduce your cognitive load. Take steps to put less stress on your memory, Tan says. Consider relying on lists instead of your memory, for example, and try to avoid multitasking until you feel better. Address mental health. People who have depression can develop brain fog that affects memory and lasts for months or years, Tan says. Therapy or antidepressants may help ease brain fog, as well as other symptoms. Up next, do this for your brain, from Consumer Reports on Health. Get vision and hearing problems treated. A study of older adults found that severe hearing or vision loss doubled and tripled the odds of serious thinking and memory problems, respectively. Possible causes are little brain stimulation, isolation, or difficulty thinking and storing memories while coping with vision and hearing deficits. And the source is the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease. Thank you for joining us for the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786 7777.